8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. If I say a warm welcome, I literally am talking about the heat, isn't it? In many parts of the country, maybe not everywhere, it has certainly been very, very hot. But on reflection, I think our year has been a particularly hot year when it comes to political issues, and they continue, isn't it? Today, with the ruling that uh, the former president has to pay, uh, or rather the state will not pay his legal cost, which means he's liable for the legal cost, at least 30 million, maybe even more. Uh, and that's something we'll talk about after 9 o'clock. We'll try and get the big picture, effectively about where to for Jacob Zuma, where to for the former president. But let's start with our big hitter for the night. And my big hitter for the night tonight is uh, Muletsi Mbeki, who has done many things. And, of course, we've chatted to him before on on a range of other issues. Uh, But we'll stay with him for an hour talking about all things that you know in terms of South Africa's social politics that you would need to know. Of course, he's the deputy chairperson of the South African Institute of International Affairs, which is an independent think tank, uh, which is based at uh, Advits, but also is a political analyst for Netco Bank. Uh, so, Muleti, appreciate your time, and thanks for uh, for joining us for the next hour as our big hitter. Good talk to you, Ashraf. I'm actually driving driven, more accurately, to the airport in Cairo. But anyway, let's talk. Okay, well, maybe we should start with that. What, what, here's, the, here's the strange question that I picked up just yesterday. I was looking at GDP uh, growth, right? And, of course, you know, South Africa struggled. And I found that, that, uh, that Egypt, uh, GDP has, has been pretty impressive in the last year, considering, you know, the country had a, a coup, then had a coup of a coup, if I can call it that. Uh, so lots of instability in the last few years, and then appears to have recovered so well. Uh, th- does that make any sense to you? Well, Egypt is, uh, they are hosting an intra-African trade fair uh, together with a conference discussing uh, issues of, uh, of African development. Uh, it is certainly a bustling economy, if I understand correctly. It's somewhere growing at a region of about 6% annually, their GDP, uh, compared to our near-technical recession situation in South Africa. So the, the the Egyptians, there's a huge amount of construction. They're building new cities and all sorts of things going on here. So, yes, it is a bustling. But, but, uh, help, help, bustling but help us understand this, right? How, how does a country that that undergoes, you know, a coup in terms of deposing of Hosni Mubarak and then has an elected president who also gets uh, deposed very, very quickly and that puts the country into a bit of a turmoil. How does that country uh, garner a sense of stability to be able to uh, engineer economic growth whereas a country like ours uh, is not able to do so? Well, they, you know, if remember Egypt is an old country so and it has a huge pool of skills uh, in its population. And secondly, the, the, the Egyptian uh, government, as far as I can make out, is very clear about what it is trying to do, which is one of the reasons why they, uh, they cooperated with the African Union to arrange uh, the intra-Africa trade fair. They are on a very uh, strong drive to... Uh, to promote uh, Egyptian uh, industry and to promote Egyptian exports to the rest of to the rest of Africa, 
So they, 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 they have very clear policies. Now, if you compare to South Africa, uh, where we are on side issues like, uh, you know, expropriation of land and all that, uh, well, they, in South Africa, there's huge amount of uncertainty. And also, they, there is a huge amount of uh, uncertainty about the, the cohesion of the ANC itself. Uh, in, in Egypt, uh, you have a, a government dominated by the military, but, uh, but, but it's a very cohesive government. It's a very clear uh, government as which direction is taking the country to. Uh, so that I think that's one of the reasons why you're getting uh, a great deal of investment in the economy. All right, interesting thought there. Let's, let me also invite you as a listener to become caller so you can engage even further because the show is called The Viewpoint. So I'd like to get your viewpoint. Of course, I'll engage you on that. Uh, 89 uh, You can tweet me. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint is, the, is what you need to use. Then you tag SFM Radio and me, Ashraf Garda. And uh, you also have the option to SMS 40938. WhatsApp voice notes is an option. Maximum 30 seconds if you do just that. Uh, 0614 107. So uh, many things uh, to to consider in terms of the options that you have as a listener turned engager on air. Uh, but my guest, of course, Moletti Mbeki, we're going to talk about a range of issues. Let's then get to South Africa, of course, right? So interesting, you talked about the sense of stability that Egypt has, never mind the coups they've had. Um, w- w- what's holding us back? You did touch on sort of multiple themes as a, as a factor. Is it that because we don't have a, a very clear strategy in terms of how to grow the country? Yes, we definitely don't have a strategy on how to grow the country. Uh, We don't have a strategy on how to incentivize uh, South African investors, let alone foreign investors. Uh, We put up a a whole lot of hurdles in the way of of investment, Uh, things like black economic empowerment. I mean, that's a huge tax. On, uh, on an investor, if you are going to invest in South Africa, you have to give away a quarter of your asset uh, to black economic empowerment. Uh, and then you, we have really a very poor education system. Uh, and, and then we have all these issues like expropriation of land and so on. So all these are, are create an unstable environment from the point of view of an, in, of an investor, whether you're a South African investor or a foreign investor. So those are the big hurdles. And uh, and then we have this very volatile currency, which is the rand, which is uh, it shows one thing in the morning, another one in the afternoon. Uh, so those are the dynamics uh, mm-hmm. uh, that are obstacles to investing. And, and in your thought, when when an investor that has no you know uh, umbilical cord to a country, right? Uh, wh- why would that investor invest in in South Africa? What what for an investor typically would be the big appeal? Well, you invest in South Africa because the economy is attractive. The economy is growing. Foreign investment does not make an economy grow. It is attracted to a growing economy. And then it, it sees that they can make a profit out of that growing economy. And that's what makes uh, investment attractive. Now, in South Africa, we have a stagnant economy. 
uh, growing at best at 2 or so percent. So from the point of view as an outside investor, uh, this is a stagnant market. So they, you can't see how your business is going to grow. Uh, and that's why we, 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 whether you are a South African investor or not, you, you don't see the, the, the growth potential of, of, the, of the economy. And then we have, you know, these huge problems of inequality and so on. You, you know, what strikes you? Cairo is a city of nearly 25 million people. Now, when you have 25 mm, million mm, people mm. all living in urban areas, uh, all relatively employed and engaged, then you have a sense that there is a market, there is a growing market. I mean, Egypt is being an under building an underground metro, it's building a new capital city, uh, and so on. So so those are the things that we have to address in South Africa. And if we can't address them, well, we will remain with a stagnant economy. Uh, there's a huge urbanization process, for example, that is happening here, and high-rise buildings being built for the poor, not the RDP type of house but proper apartments being built for the people who are moving into the cities. So those are the things that we have to do in South Africa. Yeah. But but what about the the investment interest shown through the investment summit uh, and then, you know, the well, we had the big summit and the investment summit fairly recently. Uh, isn't there a sign there of, of some sort of commitment? And, and while you answer that, wouldn't it be that investors, uh, you know, they always talk about, any good investor looks at the long game. They play the long game, not the short game. So they wouldn't look at what happens in the next year or two, but they would certainly look at a five- or ten-year cycle. Yes, but, you know, uh, most of, of what came out of, the, of that summit were projects that were being contemplated by, by many of the companies. Uh, there was very little new investment uh, in, those, uh, in what came out of the summit. Summit. So those companies were just publicizing themselves, uh, getting publicity for for doing what they were going to do anyway. But but you you, you have to understand, Ashraf, three uh, hundred billion rands in the size in the economy of South Africa uh, is, uh, investment over five years is nothing. It, it will do nothing for to dent our our unemployment. One of the the huge problems of, of the South African government policies is that it is promoting uh, private consumption. Mm, but mm. a huge part of this consumption that the government promotes is made up of imports. It's not made up of products made in South Africa. So, for example, uh, if you look at a simple product like chicken, huge part of the chicken that is consumed in South Africa is imported. It is not grown in it's not grown in South Africa, so we don't have a, a policy of investment. We have a policy of consumption, and then we are surprised that uh, our economy is not growing because if you don't invest, you don't save and invest, and you are consuming imports. Uh, the other day, I was told by one of our industrialists that sixty percent of all tinned food in South Africa is imported. So when you open a tin of baked beans or when you open a tin of tin tomatoes, uh, 
there is a 60% chance that those baked beans are imported. So that, that gives you an idea of quite how uh, inadequate our economic policies are, which attract uh, people to, to, to import tomatoes rather than to grow tomatoes and then can them in South Africa. Mm. More to come. I'll certainly take your thoughts uh, if you wish to engage us on air 891 Perhaps a good time then to just do a general overview of our country. So uh, maybe maybe three or four key points in terms of what's working. Then we'll get to, or maybe we'll start with what's working and what's not working. So if I look at bullet points, three three things that that's that's absolutely working in our country. Sorry, you know, there's a lot of things working in South Africa. The people are still alive. Uh, when you try to, when you go to a restaurant or to a shop to buy eggs or baked beans, they may be imported, but they are there. You buy them. Uh, South Africa is a hugely wealthy country. It's got huge natural resources. We are selling our natural resources to buy baked beans, uh, to buy tin tomatoes. Uh, that works. We have uh, a commercial infrastructure that that does all that. Uh, but we're sitting with nearly uh, 20, 40% of our population unemployed and living in poverty. So that is uh, the, the, the South African dynamic. Well, that brings me, okay, if you say many things are working, maybe we'll understand what's working by, by touching on the what's not working. So for you, I mean, you have touched on unemployment, but again, three, four key areas of, of major concern for you. The, the, the key areas of major concern, well, well, my key area of major concern about South Africa is the massive poverty that, that the country sits with. You know, uh, where you have over half of the population living in poverty and, and, and nearly 40% unemployed, you cannot grow such an economy because you don't have a domestic market as much. And, and when your exports are primarily raw materials, you totally look at what has happened to the price of platinum. Platinum used to be uh, more expensive than gold. Today, platinum is only $800 an ounce. The the price of platinum has collapsed. And the consequence of that is is determined by the fact that we don't process our raw materials. So the foreigners no longer want to buy platinum. And and so the price collapses. And the, the miners in the platinum sector lose their jobs. And so it goes on. Lots so, to t- so the question of yeah. stagnation of our economy is policy. It's not a, a, a kind of a catastrophe from heaven. We have poor economic policies in South Africa. Poor economic policies. I'm sure some people may challenge that. Let's get to let's get to callers now. Eddie from uh, Eddie from the Free State. Hi, Eddie. You know, although sometimes I get <laughs> I get so irritated, to be honest, um, you can't talk about poverty, but you you disregard the black empowerment. Uh, black empowerment. Uh, what 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 is that? 
really, I, I get it so difficult to, to understand his comments on that. And what can be the solution to that effect? Because we must, okay, we must but, be honest okay. that... We must be honest that we are not equal in this country, and we wanted things to be to, to, to balance. Everybody in this country must benefit from the resources of this country. But how can black people participate in an economy where, whereby they, they are not empowered? You know, sometimes I find it very difficult. Okay, okay. Let, let's we, get. We can, we can make a good friend with Nadeloko. Sometimes uh, I don't know. This probably is like they are from another planet. Okay, well, they have a view. That's, let, let's get a okay. response. Thanks for that call. Let, let's clear this up, Mulesi Mbeki. The point made, you can talk about poverty, but you disregard BE. So perhaps explain your concept of what are your, what are your misgivings about BE and, and, and how would you reshape it or re-envision uh, it uh, if you can and what would be your plan to get the country out of poverty? No, we have to invest in new industries in South Africa. Uh, if you look at a, a, a South African-made car, uh, it's estimated somewhere around 30% local content. These BEE tycoons have not built uh, component factories. They have just shuffled the wealth within the existing companies. Which is why we have rising unemployment is because BEE is not creating employment, and, and and it's making certain people rich and wealthy, certain individuals. But it's not; they are not creating jobs. They they are living off existing companies. So you can't get away from that. If BEE was a developmental process, then we shouldn't be having rising unemployment, which. We've had rising unemployment since ni- uh, 2008 or thereabouts. So, so BEE is not suitable for South Africa. And, they, and of course, those who benefit from it will love the uh, BEE and think it should continue. So how, if you rewind, how would you have tackled the issue of economic, broad-based black economic development? How would you have implemented that yourself? Ashraf, I'm just talking about the car industry. Where the one aspect, are okay. The new, where are the blacks, these black BEE characters, where are the new factories that are building components for the South African car industry? Instead of us importing components from Thailand, where are the BEE tycoons? Why are they not building factories that... Uh, that make components for the car industry in South Africa. All right. How, how then would you... So if, if mistakes have been made in the past around BEE, what would you suggest happens now then? What do I suggest? No, we, we, we have to, to, to create... I've said this over and over again. We have to find a formula that creates entrepreneurs that is not consumption-driven that encourages entrepreneurs to invest and that encourages companies to invest. We have a massive taxation system in South Africa that is taking uh, savings from the production sector and giving it to creating BE middle class, BE tycoons, but they are not building any factories in South Africa. Who amongst the BE tycoons that that we all read about, have built a new factory that makes 
uh, a component for Toyota or a component okay. for BMW or a component for Mercedes. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that answer. A big tycoon who has built such a factory. Okay, I'll leave that answer to to anybody else who's who can who can who can tell us. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. More to come from uh, our big hitter for the night. Well, let's see him, Becky, right after this. SABC Sports celebrates a hero in two episodes on playing for the coach. The story of a player who later became a heroic coach comes full circle. All eyes are on Clive Barker in both the seventh and eighth episodes. This Sunday, the seventh episode focuses on the first half journey of Clive the Dog Barker. And the second half continues in the eighth episode on Sunday, the 23rd of December. Playing for the coach. This Sunday on SABC One at 2.30 p.m. Brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. With the new SABC Education Matrix Mate app, getting your matric results has never been this easy. Simply download the Matrix Mate app for free at Google Play and Apple App Stores. All you need is your ID number and exam number to receive your results. Remember, you can also send an SMS to 35658 and your results will be sent to your phone or simply dial star 120 star. 35658 hash. You will be charged 150 per SMS and 150 per minute for the USSD line. For further details, visit sabceducation.co.za. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. The getter for the night, Mwelezi um, Mbeki, talking about many things from the economy to uh, issues uh, around uh, the development state and where we are with what's working and what is what is not working. G- give me your thoughts on on the president. You know, when, when he came into power, we spoke about the new dawn. There was this, I'm not sure who coined the phrase uh, Ramaphoria, but, but somebody's turning it around to, to mean something else now. What are, what are your thoughts that as we get to the end of the year uh, in terms of the, the few months that he's led the country? Uh, how has he performed? Well, um, you know, Cyril has cleaned up the parastata, or let me more accurately say, He's cleaning up the corruption in the parastatals. Uh, it's too early for us to say he has succeeded to clean them up. However, uh, it has not affected the performance of the parastatals. The para, parastatals are, are, are underperforming, which is why we're having this power cuts or the so-called load shedding. It's a massive underperformance of the parastatals. Uh, if you look at how long it takes a train, a goods train, to go from Devon to, to, to Johannesburg, which is why the, the, the highway there is packed with lorries because Transnet is not performing. So we're not seeing uh, performance. Uh, the, the, the question of, of, of sorting out the corruption is a, is a low-hanging fruit, the corruption that was there in state-owned enterprises, but the, the key issues uh, are not really been addressed yet. And what, what are those key issues? The key issues is economic policy. As I have pointed out, mm. the economic policy of South Africa is a consumption-driven and an import-driven economic policy. It's not a production-driven uh, economic policy. And that hasn't been touched. It hasn't changed. Is there a way then we, you know, I mean, I heard what you said about these BE guys who haven't actually 
turn into uh, into manufacturers and, and, and that's a point noted but but knowing now what we know now should how, how should the president then accelerate this re-looking uh, of our economic policy what, what, what would you want him to be doing look i i, I don't want uh, the president as an individual to do anything the point is that we have an elected government that elected government is pursuing policies that are undermining the development of the South African com- uh, the South African economy, and, and that are leading to growth in poverty, growth in unemployment in South Africa, and, and, and that is 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 the is the crux of our problem. It's not a problem for Cyril Ramaphosa as an individual. There, there's nothing Cyril as an individual can do. Merely being president doesn't make you have a magic wand. It's the party that that is pursuing wrong policies. The, the party's uh, policy, and he, and he made reference again uh, around it today, the issue of radical economic transformation. Do, do you buy, I'm going to get to callers in a minute, but, but do you buy into an understanding what that really means in terms of its implementation? Uh, no, this is nonsense. It's all just propaganda. You know, there's nothing, there's no substance to it. All just propaganda. Okay, let's get to callers now. Uh, Mr. Malambo, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. How are you, Asha? I'm good. Good talking to you. Okay. I believe you have the right person on the show today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Just for you. But go ahead. Anyway. Oh, okay. Mr. Mbeki, <laughs> I mean, okay. If you can explain us where did things go wrong? When I mean, uh, if you remember very well, when the comrades were in Zambia, they were taught self-reliance. And Mr. Mandela was a lawyer. Uh, the current pre- president is a lawyer. But we needed people who are agriculturalists, scientists, who know how to till the land. The lawyers, this is all about political. But we needed to train so that people can be prepared. If we knew we were going to leave the country, we cannot have people who are in the business department, they go in the, in the banks and so forth. Without the people who are trained, the scientists, the only one person who I knew who was a scientist, the PAC leader. But where did the things go wrong? Were the people okay. not prepared to rule the country? Did now at the moment... There is, okay, right, people are preparing to take the land. Okay, let, let, let's hold it, but, but now you know what, land. Mr. Malambo, you're asking a question and you're giving commentary. Maybe yeah. you've asked that very important question, where did things go wrong? So uh, thank you for that. Listen out for the answer. Mr. Uh, Maletsi Mbeki is, of course, on the line there. Thanks, uh, Mr. Malambo. Uh, right, where did things go wrong, according to that caller? Well, uh, Ashraf, I, I, I think I, I have answered this mm-hmm. question. I've said... The, the ruling party has, has wrong economic policies, which are consumption-driven instead of investment-driven, and 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 they are cre- and that is what has gone wrong in South Africa. I, I think perhaps, and I'm going to I'm going to just assume this that that caller may not even be talking about the last few years. He he could probably be suggesting what may have gone wrong 10, 15 years ago. Would the same apply? Just poor economic policies. Well, but the policies haven't changed. The, the consumption-driven policies of the ANC government haven't changed. 
Okay, let's get on to, to other thoughts. Uh, Desmond in Tabancho. Welcome to the show, Desmond. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. And let me get your viewpoint. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I think you raised a, a, a very important question to ask that uh, given that PEE has failed, what is the way forward? And Mr. Mbeki has correctly stated that South Africa needs a new formula that will be development-based in terms of its policies. But I want just to ask him that if he remembers, there is also the issue of in one of the homelands, which was Buputatuan, where although it was a homeland system, they were generally able to to come up with solutions which he is saying are the current challenges. And the problem is that the ruling elites are afraid to go back and reflect on the good things that were done by Dr. Mangope, primarily because, one, uh, he is from a wrong political background, two, probably also because of his ethnicity. But we had industrial, we had industrial revolutions. If you remember in the late 80s when the telephone system, the, the automatic telephone system was started, Dr. Mawope came with wonderful concepts where in today, I'm sure even in your studio, there are remnants of technicians that are his products, mm. where he built a cement school as far as, in his view, okay. but, a but, but component. Can so we, I'm can, saying, yeah. Can we? I'm just saying to Mr. Mbeki, can he go beyond that saying it is not enough to say we must come up with a formula? Because even if you have the right formula, do you have the right mindset of a society that is work-driven? Are we, is it enough that you can come up with policies that are not able to be translated into deliverables? Okay, got that. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that uh, call. R- respond, uh, respond to that call. Uh, let's be back in Egypt, by the way. Go ahead. Yes, but you know, we, you can't compare a democratic government to a Bantustan regime like Mangwapa's government. So I, I, I think the, 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 the caller is not really... South Africa is a democratic government now. Uh, Mangwapa was not a democracy. He was part of, of the apartheid structure. And the people of South Africa rejected apartheid. And... Uh, and, and that's all there is to it. So, so you can't replicate what the apartheid system did and, and have yeah. democracy. At Absolutely, the same time. I mean, that's a very good point. Uh, Kulani, you're in German. Welcome to the show. Yes, Ashraf, how are you? I'm very good indeed. Right, let's hear from you. What What do you want to ask or comment? Uh, I would like to ask uh, just three questions to Mr. Manetun Begi. Uh, the first question would be on. The land expropriation policy, land expropriation without compensation, he, he seems to not agree with it. So my question there is, what alternative, or firstly, what doesn't he like about it? And what alternative, or what would he tweak on in it for it to be successful? That's the first question. The second question is with regards to the PEE tycoons. He says that they haven't... Uh, build any factories or any manufacturing, which I agree with. Mm. But then again, if you look at it, uh, they themselves, if you look at how they they, get, they got the BE 
money or whatever it is, the funding and whatnot, they do not necessarily have the expertise for processing. You know what I mean? So what 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 does he suggest? That, and also with okay, him... Okay, but I mean, a lot of that we've touched on already, yeah. Uh, with, with with him not agreeing on the land expropriation policy and also these people that he's talking about, the BE people, they would need land, obviously, to open the factory. Okay. So when where does he expect them to find the, the land for it? Okay, got that. Thank you for thank you for that. Right. Where would they get the land? Uh, and, and maybe at the same time you can answer your give us your thoughts on uh, the issue of land and what your feelings are about expropriation of land with or without compensation. What? Well, well, Ashraf, I have said this many times. This is not an economic policy. It's not a policy about equity. It's a policy for getting voters. The ANC thinks it will get votes by demonizing the white population. So it's nothing to do with either ownership or non-ownership of land. It's a propaganda thing to get votes, which the ANC lost during the local government uh, uh, elections in 2016. So it's got nothing to do with agriculture or equity so if it, or employment. Okay, if it's simply to gain votes, then what will actually happen then? What will actually happen? Yeah, what I'm saying at the moment, they're saying, ANC saying we for expropriation of land without compensation. You're suggesting that it's it's just an, it's a push to, to, to gain voters, black voters, ahead of that election, which means a bit of demonizing of white voters to be able to get the black voters. But then, if that's not true, then what? if, if that's not really what the ANC wants, what then will actually happen around the issue of land? I nothing. What, what, what is likely to happen is, is that there will be a lot of talking in Parliament and once the election is over, the ANC will lose interest in this matter. Okay, but then what would happen to the masses? Happen to? To, to the people who've been, who've been promised these changes. <laughs> but they have been promised lots of things and they haven't gotten them. They were promised a good education system, a good health system, a good urban housing, tractors for, for those in the former homelands. None of this has been delivered, so what's new about that? Okay, but but my, the point I'm driving is that if they've been promised, particularly this amongst many other promises, do you not think there will be this heightened expectation? And if we're following what you're saying is true, then you're saying the ANC as a ruling party will not deliver on that promise. I would then foresee massive dissatisfaction, massive disgruntlement, and, and, and but I'm not going to say civil unrest, but I mean, wouldn't that happen? No, I, I think the, the, the propaganda about expropriation of land uh, fools no one. It only fools a few naive people, and uh, the politicians believe their own propaganda. Uh, the, 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 the voter in South Africa and the mass of the South Africans are not fooled by, by, by this uh, kind of a trick. So there will be no response to it because they see it for what it's worth as a piece of propaganda to try and win the elections. Okay, let's let's move on. Knowledge is in the Glen. Knowledge, you're on the air now. Hello. Yeah. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, Knowledge. Uh, yeah. Yes, you're speaking to one of the uh, graduate youth who was unemployed for more than eight months with a degree, while his my white counterpart got a got a job in less than two months. So I've been sitting at home with a degree. First of all, you tell us to go get a 
to go to to go to school to get to go to university to get qualifications, and then now we want jobs. You tell us we want experience, right? So there's definitely no inequality uh, in this country, and the BE was meant to solve it. So you can you can you can criticize the BE, but it's just like any other system. If it's misused, it will always go wrong. Look at the way it was Ashraf, actually Ashraf, Ashraf, Yeah, Ashraf. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I have to get off the line. The security at the airport is now on top of us. You can call me maybe in, in five minutes. Okay. We have the... All right. There's that, lots of security. That's, that's fine. Thank okay. you. We will try and call you back. Most appreciated. There we are. Okay. okay. We still have you knowledge. Let me, let me just chat with you a bit more detail about that. So you suggesting, even if there's flaws, if there was no BE, then what? If I, if I, can, if I can understand you correctly. Is that right? Yes, every system, every system has 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 an an ideal way of working. But if it's if it's abused, it will always go wrong. So the BE was given to people who were not actually qualified to people to people who were not needed. For instance, they were given to a select few who were already rich. Like if you look at the Salam deal between uh, the deal between Salam and Petrus Mutete, it was called an empowerment deal. But how do you empower a billionaire? You know, the BE was misused to the point where they only wanted quick fixes, and that didn't help the economy. Uh, and also with the land expropriation, I feel like it's a very vital piece of economic empowerment, because in order to open a business, you need land. Even if it's an online shop, you need a warehouse to store the stuff. You need, you need land, basically, to, to, to start anything. But how much is land nowadays? It's, it's expensive. Okay, well, that's your opinion. Unfortunately, as you know, uh, Mulet Simbeki, in fact, is at the airport in Cairo, and I'm amazed uh, at, at how we've been able to talk to him as long as we have. Uh, he's just going through security check now. Hopefully, we'll try and get him back on uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a few minutes' time. So thanks for that uh, call. Uh, more to come. Danny and Jeffrey and more. We'll talk to you right after this. No, 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 no. I remember. Not again. But I'm trying, my love. Well, you need to get help. Are you struggling to get things started in your relationship? At Men's Clinic, we have the expertise to help you reignite the spark. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Woo! <laughs> yes! That's my man. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one red. Watch the Winner Home Grand Finale as one lucky SABC3 viewer's life changes forever by winning the largest prize on South African television, a spectacular apartment worth over 3 million rand. Who will the judges reveal as the design duo of the season and which lucky viewer will win their very own home? That's the Winner Home Grand Finale, Thursday, 13 December, 7.30pm on SABC3. Ashraf now, 0891-104-207. All right, so just for now, no Mwele Timbeki, unfortunately, uh, and I hope you don't mind, I, well, it's out of his hands. He's going through uh, security check-in at, uh, at the airport in Cairo, and he may well talk to us again in a few minutes' time just before we get to the tail end of the show. But perhaps if you can give me your thoughts on the type of questions you'd want to ask him. Danny from uh, KZN, go ahead, please, Danny. Danny, Hello. How are you? Are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I certainly can. Go ahead. All righty. Um, earlier, um, Mr. Baker mentioned this, uh, the automotive industry, yeah. and uh, it, it couldn't have been closer to the truth. Eh? It's, it's quite amazing that, what, five decades later in the automotive industry, people are still battling to get value-adding participants in our industry. 
it is still what it was five decades ago. You're dominated by white families, multinationals, and that's what it is. But, so, but, he's, but he's also saying there's no manufacturing, by and large, in the automotive industry. That means there could be some parts, but, but we, we, we can't manufacture cars. We're way behind that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But even, uh, of course, there's been, there's been a lot of progress in terms of localizing components, but a lot of the materials, for example, is still imported. A lot of the components are still imported. But in terms of the BE beneficiaries and uh, and the entrepreneurs out there, the right entrepreneurs out there, there hasn't been a single, single value-adding uh, BE enterprise of any of any significance being built in this country for, what, since 1994, leave alone three, four decades ago. So, yeah, in terms of adding value and making sure BE works for everyone and creating the job that it should be, uh, nothing's happening. It's, 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 uh, okay. You know, I wonder if I disagree with you. Nothing. You know, that could be putting a very fine point on it, and it could be an exaggeration. I don't know, but others may say you're absolutely right. Uh, Danny from yes. KZN saying nothing. Thanks for that call. Let's get to uh, love the fact, and, and this is a key. Uh, we are able to, on the show, speak to people crisscrossing the nation. So very quickly, uh, you don't get just Job talking of Cape Town, Durban, or, you know, the, the big metros. You are able to... Uh, get a finger on on the pulse of the entire nation. So from uh, one part of the country, as in, say, Durban, we get to Polokwane now. Jeffrey, you're on the air. Hello. Good evening. And good evening to your listeners as well. Good evening indeed. Thank you. Yes, you're speaking to Jeffrey here in Polokwane. Yes, Jeffrey, good talking to you. Yes, I I have had Mr. Mbeki talking about import and consumption-driven type of economy. Uh, I'm struggling to understand what he is talking about. Uh, he is not giving at least a one um, an example of what he is talking about. Also, uh, I have I have had one of the the callers there talking about um, economy, the type of economy of self-reliance. Yes, they are aware of that, and uh, even the type of education that they received today in Zambia and and Tanzania, it was education for self-reliance. Now, but if you can, you want to talk about in, uh, developing the economy of these countries and not tapping into the type of education you want to give to your youth, I don't think uh, we will we will have a breakthrough here. Um, uh, the type of the philosophy that surrounds our education, the level of strictness from the system itself, our children, and yet we want to compete with the best in the world. I think we are contradicting ourselves here. However, I still um, uh, am asking you to ask Mr. Mbeki when he comes back to the line to give us a few examples of um, uh, activities in the economy that show we are not production-driven. We are consumption-driven. Thank you. But, but I mean, I'm not sure. Okay, well, I got that. Thank you. But, you know, the, the fact is, uh, you know, he said that before. And I think there's many other issues we need to talk about. But let's see if we if we are able to reconnect with him. I just want to check if he's now passed through that security checkpoint where he had to put his phone down and couldn't talk to us and, uh, and pick it up from there. Uh, there's a couple of points that... Uh, uh, Case saying, Ashraf, re- how to improve the economy. Our economy has restrictions. Open it up. 
Um, yes. Another one let Mr. Mbeki explain the concept of free trade, protectionism, etc. In Hammersdale, the chicken factory was closing, closed, resulting in retrenchments. How can the government avoid in the context uh-huh. of the ab- above? Another one, I always admire your guest. He's the intelligent man. I wonder why he's staying at the back mark. Okay, got that. Uh, and another one, uh, Go to a Model C school. Children there are self-reliant in poor, remote area schools. We produce job seekers. Comes from Galweni, Mount Freer. Mount Freer. Okay, let's see uh, if we, in fact, are able to connect with uh, Willet Becky. If not, I'll certainly pick up um, your thoughts. You can still call in, and I'll take a few more calls uh, on this issue. Perhaps, you know, if, if we then look, because we will talk about President, former President Zuma just now, so don't talk about him now. We'll talk about him at 9 o'clock about where to now for him. You may know that the court uh, deciding, ruling that, in fact, he's got to pay costs. State can't pay costs. He's going to come up with 30 million at least, maybe even more. We'll see about that. So where to from here for him? That comes up just now. But other things, maybe a good chance, some of the things we would have asked Muleti uh, Mbeki uh, is the issues that we touched on the other day about uh, social cohesion, race relations, issues of crime, uh, the issues of uh, President Ramaphosa in terms of uh, do you, have you been impressed enough with uh, with what he's done so far? There have been others who are saying no, but they've understood that he's had to work in consensus. And, you you know, it doesn't mean you're the president of the country. You can literally go and do what you want because you, you never, ever are in that position. Okay. Uh, but having said all of that, you know, are, are there aspects of President Ramaphosa that you, you'll pick up that you found particularly impressive? Um, are there aspects of, of his leadership that you've been particularly disappointed in in the last few months? Um, and, and if you have any thoughts on that, I will certainly pick that up and get your thoughts in a moment.